In the bulletin, there's uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11 listed, and I'm just going to read that to you. This is a section where Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, uh, reflects on the birth of Jesus, uh, Jesus coming into the world, and what that means and how that should impact the way we live with one another. So let me read this passage before I share from God's word with you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Past four weeks, I did an Advent sermon series that I called Hope, Peace, Joy, and Faith, which are what the four Advent candles are supposed to uh, symbolize. And I just felt like as we did that, you know, there's a notable absence. When you think of the, the words like hope, peace, joy, and faith, there's a notable word that's missing there that is very much a part of what Jesus came to bring, and that would be love, right? I mean, Paul said, these three remain, hope, faith, and love, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Jesus came to bring us hope, peace, joy, and faith. We looked at those the last four weeks. But tonight I want to really meditate on love. That above all, he came to bring love and what that love is that Jesus brought. So I want to begin just by reading, of course, one of the most well-known passages in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So right there in that verse, you have the motivation behind Jesus coming into the world. What was the motivation? It was God's love for the world, his love for us. That is the reason why Jesus was born into this world. That is the reason why the Father sent the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So above all, yes, Jesus came to bring us faith and hope and peace and joy, and those all are important. But above all, he came to bring us love. And I want to just share three, three ways in particular I think the love that Jesus brings is the love that our hearts have been longing for. First thing I want to mention is this, that Jesus brings a love that would sacrifice everything for you. If you think about it, sometimes you don't meditate on you know, what it is truly that your heart is longing for when it comes to love, whether it's the love of significant other, the love of parents, the love of friends, the love of children. But there's longings deep within each of our hearts for love, specific kinds of love. And partly, I think it's this, that we would have at least someone in our lives who would sacrifice everything for us, that no, nothing would be too much to give up out of love for us. Again, go back to what I just read from Philippians. 
it looks like I skipped ahead here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he, being in very nature God, did not consider that something to be used to his own advantage, but instead Jesus made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And if that was not enough, Paul says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The love that our hearts are longing for, the love of someone who would be willing to sacrifice and give up everything for us. God loved you so much that he sent his son to give up the comfort of heaven. You think about what it was like leaving a warm house today to go out into the bitter cold. I appreciate that you did that to come here today. I know it was not easy. You think about what that was like, leaving the comfort of the warmth to come out into the cold. Here you have Jesus, the eternal Son of God, leaving heaven, perfection, to enter this cold, cruel world. And not just to enter this world, but to be betrayed, mistreated, nailed to a cross, to suffer and die. That is a love that is willing to give up anything for you, out of love for you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Paul, or whoever, write, whoever wrote Hebrews, he writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I often go to that verse because he says, it was the joy that was set before him that allowed him to endure the cross, to go through that kind of suffering and that kind of persecution. How could he do that? It says, for the joy set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? I mean, he already had all of eternity. He already had heaven for all of eternity. He already had the relationship with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. The one thing that he did not have was you. The joy that was set before him was having you restored to a right relationship. You with him. That was the joy that was set before him that allowed him to endure the cross. Please take a minute and let that sink in. That this is a love that would sacrifice everything for you. And I know we all have people in our lives that we wish would be that way. We wish that we had parents, perhaps, or a spouse or a loved one or friends that would sacrifice everything, that no sacrifice would be too great to give up for us because they love us that much. But in Christ, you have that love, a love that was willing to give up everything for you. The second thing I want to mention about the love that Jesus brings this Christmas is this. It's a love that knows you fully and never rejects you. It's a love that knows you inside and out better than anyone else knows you. All your good parts, all your bad parts, and never rejects you. Romans 5, 6 through 8 Paul writes, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
You look at all the words in that passage that are used to describe you. Powerless, ungodly, sinners. When you were at your worst, that is when Jesus died for you. He did not die for you when you were the church-going, hands-in-the-air, praising Jesus, man or woman. He came and died for you when you were at your worst. You think about the worst things you've ever done in your life, the worst moments that you look back on and you're ashamed of embarrassed. That is when Jesus died for you. He died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If he would give his life for you at that moment, when that's who you were, when you were an enemy of God, how much more, how much more will he love you now that you are a beloved child of God? This is the kind of love I'm talking about that Jesus came to bring. A love that knows you fully. Knows all your warts. Knows all your sins. Knows all your struggles. And does not ever reject you. But died for you instead. That's why in Romans 8, Paul writes, Therefore there is now no condemnation. Amen? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, don't you wish that humans could love you this way? Don't you wish that the men and women in your life, the the fathers, the mothers, the, the spouses, loved you this way? That there was absolutely no condemnation, never any rejection, Never any judgment like that. Nothing could ever separate you from their love. In Jesus, that is what we have. That's what Paul declares here. All your sins were nailed to the cross along with him, and now he sees you as his beloved. Nothing will separate you from him. There is no condemnation. I've said it before whenever we talk about this, how, again, when you, when you look at so many stories, so many romantic comedies and so many romantic movies out there and stories. At the core, so much of the, the story is about, you know, what if this person knew me for who I really was, right? The, the boy meets girl, they fall in love, but the girl has a secret. She's hoping the boy doesn't find out, and then the boy finds out, and then it all blows up, and, you know, you think it's all going to fall apart, but then in the end, the boy decides, even though I know that about you, I still love you and I want to be with you. And our hearts melt because deep down, that's what our hearts want. We want someone who knows us warts and all, everything about us, all our dirt, and does not run screaming from us, but instead loves us, forgives us, shows us grace. And that is what we have in Jesus. That kind of love that our hearts have longed for, the one who knows us better than anyone ever could, and instead of running screaming from us, gave his life for us, out of love for us. And even death, it says, will not separate us from his love. It is ours forever. The third thing I want to mention, the third love, the last one that Jesus brings. It's a love that heals you and makes you a better person. It's a love that heals you and makes you a better person. Not just a love that forgives, not just a love that shows grace, but a love that washes us clean. A love that transforms us. A love that makes us better people. That sanctifies us, to use a biblical word. 
2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18, 17 to 18, Paul writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed in his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, as you get to know Jesus better, as you spend time with God, he begins to transform your heart and work on your heart and heal your wounds and heal the hurts and transform you and make you into a better person, to make you more like him, a person of greater love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit. It's a love that doesn't just say you're forgiven but leaves you as you are, but it's a love that changes you transforms you. That's the kind of love that we're talking about here. Again, you're going to go through this life and you're going to find people who love you well, but no one will ever love you the way that God loves you. That is what Jesus came, that God loved the world so much that he sent his son to leave the comfort of heaven, to die for you, to save you, to rescue you, to bring you to him. Christmas is the greatest love story. I want to read a story. This is from the 19th century philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. He said, suppose there was a king who loved a humble maiden. The king was like no other king. Every statesman trembled before his power. No one dared breathe a word against him, for he had the strength to crush all opponents. And yet this mighty king was melted by love for a humble maiden. How could he declare his love for her? In an odd sort of way, his very kingliness tied his hands. If he brought her to the palace and crowned her head with jewels and clothed her body in royal robes, she would surely not resist. No one dared resist him, but would she love him? She would say she loved him, of course, but would she truly? Or would she live with him in fear, nursing a private grief for the life she had left behind? Would she be happy at his side? How could he know for sure? If he rode to her forest cottage in his royal carriage with an armed escort waving bright banners, that too would overwhelm her. He did not want a cringing subject. He wanted a lover, an equal. He wanted her to forget that he was a king and she a humble maiden and to let shared love cross over the gulf between them. For it is only in love that the unequal can be made equal. The king, convinced he could not elevate the maiden without crushing her freedom, resolved to descend he clothed himself as a beggar and approached her cottage incognito with a worn cloak fluttering loosely about him. It was no mere disguise, but a new identity he took on. He renounced the throne to win her hand. Now, of course, this is a romantic story, but, but the parable, the parallel there is clear. That God loved you so much that Jesus left heaven to come down to be, become human to live among us, to love us, to draw us to himself. Do you understand this? This is about love. This, this whole thing we're doing here is about love. This is not about just, you know, believing in your head and something. This is about love. That Jesus said the greatest commandment is what? To love God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. What's the second greatest? To love your neighbor as yourself. We love because why? Because he first loved us. That's what this is about. God so loved the world, he gave his son. It's about love. Do you know him in that way? Do you know his love? One of my favorite quotes is from Brennan Manning. 
In his book, The Signature of Jesus, he writes, On the night of December 13th, during what began as a long and lonely hour of prayer, I heard in faith Jesus Christ say, For love of you, I left my Father's side. I came to you who ran from me, fled me who did not want to hear my name. For love of you, I was covered with spit, punched, beaten, and affixed to the wood of the cross. These words are burned on my life, whether I am in a state of grace or disgrace, elation or depression, that night of fire quietly burns on. I looked at the crucifix for a long time, figuratively saw the blood streaming from every pore of his body, and I heard the cry of his wounds, this isn't a joke. It is not a laughing matter to me that I have loved you. The longer I looked, the more I realized that no man has ever loved me and no one ever could love me as he did. I went out of the cave, stood on the precipice, and shouted into the darkness, Jesus, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind to have loved me so much? I learned that night what a wise old man had told me years earlier. Only the one who has experienced it can know what the love of Jesus Christ is. Once you have experienced it, nothing else in the world will seem more beautiful or desirable. See, when I get up here and preach, I have a limit of what I can do, right? I can, I can say these words and try to fit it together in something that makes sense, but only the Holy Spirit can apply this to your life, right? Only the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to you in this way and awaken your heart to how loved you are so that these words become true and everything else just fades away. Even the greatest love of every human being that you could ever know will fade away in the light of his love. And yes, Jesus came to bring hope to bring faith, to bring peace, to bring joy. Yes, he did. But above all, he came to bring love. That God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That he left heaven for you. That he gave his life for you. And the greatest commandment is to love God. And we love because he first loved us. And let me pray for you because, again, there's only so much I can do. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would please open our hearts, lift the veil that we might see you, Jesus, born into this world to live and die for us. I lift up those who do not know you, for whom these words just don't even make sense, God, please Open their eyes and open their hearts to hear, to see, to receive you, Lord. To come into a, a saving relationship with you. To know you as Savior and Lord. To know this love that is beyond any human love, anything this world can ever offer. And for those of us who do know you, Lord, that you have saved, you have brought to yourself, Lord, fill our hearts with your love. Overwhelm us, Lord, with how deep your love is for us that we would not run after the things of this world. We would not look to anything else to fill us up in the way that you do. Change us, Lord. Transform our hearts by your love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.